Today on the Pro-Life Podcast, you've seen the dress-up acts in front of Supreme Court justices' houses, but what does The Handmaid's Tale really mean? And one of their actresses has something to say about the stigma Hollywood puts on young moms. We need to talk about this. Let's get started. Happy Tuesday, pro-life family. Pull up a chair, grab your coffee, grab my coffee. Wheat, oh, the irony to discuss today. First, going to introduce my awesome friends around the table. Kim Schwartz, communications director. Veronica Arnold-Smither, education associate and awesome person. Oh, and Emily Cook, general counsel and keeps me out of trouble. Brent Klingerman, IT director. Um, this is such a weird, like, bizarro world story. We keep using this term lately, but everything feels like bizarro world. So an actress from Handmaid's Tale has this normal want to have a family. And she feels very stigmatized because of Hollywood culture. And it's ironic <laughs> because the leftists use Handmaid's Tale as like their poster, their identity <laughs> right. for the pro-abortion movement. But uh, this is the main character, right? Uh, yeah. She's main, she's main. an actress in the show. I don't know if she's one of them. We, we, we were discussing earlier, me and uh, uh, Peter, who's running her camera, how we would both rather spill coffee on ourselves and probably watch this show. <laughs> it kind of falls in that category of like that, The Bachelorette. It's like, it's, yeah. why? Oh. But... But the actress is named Sydney Sweeney, right? Uh -huh. Correct. Yeah, so she wants to have a baby, and she's talking about like Hollywood culture is very discouraging of that. And I mean, that's a that's a real bummer. Um, everybody should be able to have like a good maternity leave and trust that you're not going to get fired, and trust that it's not going to ruin your career and all. You'll be able that. to get so another job and yeah. thing. I guess so the irony is that people are a lot of the leftists use The Handmaid's Tale as this prop to protest. Uh, pro-lifers and they'll show up in their, you know, the red cape and the white hat. And like Red Riding Hood cosplay thing. I know, it cracks me up. But, but it's so funny. I was talking to a teenage friend of mine, sweet Kimberly, and not Kim, no, but Kimberly. I'm not 17 anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so tell me, what do you think about The Handmaid's Tale after all the story came out? And she's like, oh, I think it's so ironic that the leftists like to dress up in these costumes. They don't realize the joke is on them. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And so she was telling me all about this show because she loves it. And she was saying, well, it's all about these fake Christians who become totalitarians. They're super communists and they take over the United States and they force uh, women to bear children for them because there's this fertility crisis. And so, so, they, so they, they rape these women and they have this super creepy ritual involving the Bible while they do so. And so it's, this is not real Christianity, right? This is totally fake, mm -hmm. uh, obsessive, perhaps um, satanic occult using the Bible, raping women, impregnating them so that the, so the commanders can have their baby. And, but what's so crazy in, in the real United States is the leftists like to dress up in these costumes and show up at pro-life events or protest at churches. They're like and outside of Amy Coney Barrett's house and all the Supreme Court justices dressed as like the little red riding hood, red cape and the white bonnet and yeah. everything like that. So the current modern day United States leftists who are communist and proud of it, yep. and they literally call themselves 
you we know, had communists, communists come or socialists crash our event. Yeah, and then they're fr- they're happy about it. And they don't realize what like the actual message of the show is that communism is bad, rape is bad, forced surgery is bad, abortion is bad. There's a whole episode of one of the main characters who is she's pregnant, but she views the baby as her own. She she was she was it's impregnated, but it, right, right? But she 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 wants to save her baby, and she's for, she's afraid that she's going to be forced to abort because they no longer that like this is a weird complicated situation where you know she's at risk of being forced to abort. So she's trying to rescue her her own unborn child, and and yet the leftist pro-choicers of today do not understand this message. I'm like, did you actually like pay attention to no. the message of the show? They no, they just think that basically pro-lifers are forcing women to have babies. I'm like, no, no. We also agree that rape is bad. Yes. Forced surrogacy is bad. And abortion's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So they clearly did not pay attention to the message of the show. Well, I mean, this the whole bringing that show back into light was because um, the actress, what is it? She 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 told a reporter or a news, did a news interview. And she said, I want to have a family. I've always wanted to be a mom, to be a young mom, she said. Uh, but I'm worried about how the industry puts stigma on young women mm-hmm. and children and looks at them in a different light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for, awesome. I mean, coming from a culture, from a, a segment of our society that purports to be all about the women's rights right. and equality and I mean, unless you want to have a baby. Right. Because yeah, it's like career, bad. career, career. But if you have a baby, like that's all gone. You No way. You cannot do both at all. And that is not the pro-life perspective. That's not right. the Christian perspective. Like it's the leftists, the pro-abortion crowd that are saying that. So this whole uh, stigma that the Handmaid's Tale actress is facing, which is, it's just even more ironic because they're misinterpreting the show, they're misinterpreting, they're forcing this own worldview, their own worldview onto um, the people that they're trying to say that they're helping and it's having right. the opposite effect. I mean, if they really believed in choice or, or if, let's say the, the Hollywood culture, if they really wanted to uphold their their value of choice, this woman, Sydney Sweeney, should be allowed, able, you know, encouraged to have a choice, to have a baby and then return to her career. Yeah, it, uh, but that's clearly not what's happening here. It's like she she hit the nail on the head. She, she noticed a real problem yeah. in her community and yeah. now she's exposing it and hopefully not at the peril of her career because her bosses might be like, you're out. I mean, look what they yeah. did to so many other actors who, you know, point out a problem in the culture. They're like, you're out, you're fired. Gina Carano. So, yeah, well, poor I mean, Gina. Just... Oh, well, not poor anymore. She's, yeah. she's rich again. <laughs> well, she's fine. isn't this the same culture that gave us, was it Michelle Williams when she won her award? Yeah. She couldn't have made it in her career without her abortion. I know, yeah. It was like, I miss what? That. Yeah, on no. stage during the award shows, you know, saying, thank God for abortion. I wouldn't have, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here without it. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And the real real issue there is she was in a career field in a society that made it to be where she mm-hmm. couldn't work if she had had a child. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And yet they want to just stand on their little soapbox and tell all the rest of us how stupid we are and how we ought to live our lives. So. And how empowered they are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thanks, Hollywood. Yeah.
so weird. Yeah. Uh, I think another big part of this, uh, the whole Handmaid's Tale thing too, is just the idea of treating women as property and a big place that we see that too is not just in the issue of abortion and talking about that one episode where um, the woman is afraid that the uh, the men are going to force her to have an abortion, but also in the issue of like surrogacy and how that's an area modern day that the Handmaid's Tale people really should be protesting because that's where women are treated as property. Women who might not have a uh, high income, they can say, well, I can just uh, donate my eggs and get a big chunk of change from that. And that's just so exploited. Or I can, you know, let, allow body. someone to pay for me, pay for my uterus, pay for the yeah. use of my uterus. It's like, this is weird. I guess they think that because the women have a choice in the matter, I get to choose to sell my uterus for this amount of time, that it's fine because it's all about choice. But I think it's just complete exploitation. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that, it's rough. So weird. So, so <laughs> weird. This feels like a really good place to transition into uh, another story we wanted to discuss. Our, our friends over at Babylon Bee, their sister site, Not the Bee, has an article recently about... Um, a couple of gay men picking the egg donor for their child, kind of like they're picking out a dog in a pet store. Yeah. Um, we, we can link to the video and stuff. It is, it is weird to watch the kind of describing the sort of person they're looking for, the physical attributes. Oh, we want her to be artsy and we want her to look like this. A big we want her to have smile. Big smile, good hair. Look like a kind person in general. And it's like, what is oh, what? what is a kind person <laughs> look like? How do you get to pick what characteristics you're going to have to make your baby look like a kind person? Well, the way y'all are describing it is it, it sounds even not that bad. It's actually way worse if you watch the right. video. Like they 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 are very creepy about it. I it's, mean, it's weird. Talk about the if you watch the, yeah, talk about the interviews that they did with appli applicants. Yeah, it's yeah. just to be the egg donor. And so, there's two I want to point out, viewers, and this idea that there, 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 are, there can be two different. You've got your egg donor. You've got a woman whose egg uh -huh. it is that is fertilized and results in an embryo. Two one one. Yes, they have one required half. <laughs> exactly. And then you have surrogate. So they can sometimes be the surrogate is the gestational carrier. The woman who actually is pregnant and carries and gives birth to uh, the baby. And those can be the same or they cannot be the same. Right. And you kind of get it's into this whole, you know, crazy murky. And, but in this in this story, um, they were deciding, these guys were deciding who was going to be egg donor, right. AKA the biological mother of their child. Right. Cause you gotta have one of those, remember? Right. I mean, that hasn't I changed the, the <laughs> since Adam and Eve. Yep. Egg yep. donating person. Yes. And I guess, I mean, it's no yeah. secret that people would wanna look for certain attributes in an egg donor or a sperm donor that this like has been going on for decades. Looking for a spouse, we look for certain traits, we find somebody Possibly. we're compatible with. It's so like, I mean, it's what we do as that's normal humans not. when we're pursuing a long-term relationship. Yeah, but that's sure. like normal and good. Whereas, right. you know, looking for the attributes of the mother of your child who is never going to be part of that child's life. And also you're involving a monetary exchange for physical body part like it's, it's so yeah, weird. I, I like your appearance and tail. personality here's some money 
Like that's that's creepy. Mm, so nope. exploited. It's so disrespectful of humans in general. Correct. It's like this is this is humans are not meant to be part of a monetary exchange ever. And this is so weird. It's very weird. But I guess when I say it's no secret that they're going to be looking for specific attributes, it's like we we all knew this was happening. But the way that these guys on TikTok or whatever are describing it, it's just like they're in the open and it's celebrated. It was kind of like a secret before, you know, you go into the sperm bank or the egg bank and you probably look through like a little book of details about the donor. But now it's like. We're gonna make a cute video about it and be creepy. And they're holding about a you know five or six month old child, and this is the product of our shopping. You're like, what? I couldn't quite tell. In one part of the video, it sounded like they said the word "it" in refer in like referring to their baby. We wanted it to have Mm -hmm. uh, eyes. I could. It could have been her. They could have said her, but I'm pretty sure they said it. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves when talking about children. And pro-lifers do this too. I know many a people who say the word it in regard to the unborn child, even a newborn. Like um, I've heard people say like, oh yeah, when it's born or I need to bring uh, this over uh, for the baby or something like that. And they'll say it. And it drives me insane. (laughs) Me too. I correct people all the time. Thank you. Yes. I have a friend they're pregnant right now and he keeps calling some, well, sometimes he'll, refers when it's born it's born stop it is your son yes baby i'm sorry you're right you're right yeah Yeah. and they they might not mean any harm (laughs) they don't mean any harm at all but it's still it's it's like it's a slippery slope you have to be careful how you describe a person and not i mean it's all that people first language which is which was started by um probably some fairly progressive people but it's a good principle it's like describe a person Mm -hmm. for who they are and not uh, maybe like by the clothes that they're wearing, um, or if you don't know the gender, don't say it. Right. Say he or the she. baby, he or she. Right. The child. The child. Like there's so many other ways that you can Protect positively and humanely describe someone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but this just underscores the idea that in surrogacy, especially, children are treated like a commodity. Like this is something that they were that people can go online shopping for of like swipe 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 like on tinder or whatever and it's like oh yeah this person maybe i'll use her eggs and then like you're just treating the child as a commodity something that you can purchase and um, have for your own but that's not what the relationship was designed to be like god created the family and he designed the family to be a certain way on purpose so that way it's uh for the individuals flourishing and society flourishing too. Yeah. I've heard people say that they have a right to have a baby, especially someone who is struggling with infertility and maybe they're not very well uh, educated in their faith and they'll say something, well, I have a right to have a baby, you know, just because it's easy for, you know, someone with good fertility. Um, that's not fair. Like I, I deserve this too. And that's really, that's really hard. Cause I, I definitely know um, a lot of people who struggle with infertility and that's a real cross to bear. Uh, but we have to remember that we don't have a right to have a baby. A baby's a gift. A baby's right. a gift. And and that's fine to seek corrective medicine to try to have a baby. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that you're you you aren't getting what you deserve or you're you're not obtaining a right. Like we don't have a right to have a child. Have a child. It's a it's a gift. And yeah. Christians especially should look at it in a different way than what society says it says yeah. it is. I mean, we should have a different 
um, worldview and a different a different way that we process that. Like you said, children are a gift from the Lord, and when we decide, you know, do we really believe the Lord's in control of our life or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he might, sadly, it, it, I mean, this is a, it's a true sadness that we, some people might not ever be able to have their own biological child. And then we might, we might be thinking, well, why wouldn't God give me that gift? Well, maybe he has a different plan for you. Maybe he really wants you to adopt. Or maybe he really wants you to be super involved in your community and do something else. And that that's going to be, it's like a, it's a long journey to, to accept that. That we're not always and, going to like the crosses that are ours right. to bear. I have a good friend who um, has been married for a long time and was never, they're never able to have children. So eventually they they did seek a lot of corrective medicine and they got the hard answer that they will never be able to. And their response to that was so incredibly beautiful. I, I thought they were going to go through like a fairly long mourning period and I was going to try to be there for them and comfort them and all that. But it was just like a couple months and they were like, you know what? We prayed a lot and we just realized that like God is with us and mm-hmm. and and he has a plan for us and it may never involve children. And they just like went back to like super involved in their church and super involved with their nieces and nephews. And I was like, are you all okay? Like, really? I'm so surprised. And they were like, no, actually we're really okay. Like, yeah, it's sad, but like, this is God's will. And I was like, oh my goodness, what bravery, like what acceptance. Yeah. It was beautiful to see and motivating. And and I because I was even at one point I was trying to decide like how to tell them with a previous pregnancy like that. I was pregnant. I was like, I want to be really sensitive about this. And she's like, you don't have to worry about that. I was like, oh, I love you. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. But that takes so much bravery and acceptance of God's will, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Children are a gift. Children are a gift. So we have some other we need to take a break really quick. We have some other information we need to share, upcoming events and things that we want to tell you guys about. So we will put that information here. Nathan, you just put it right. Link's right here. Right here. Save the date for Boots on the Ground. It's an awesome pro-life conference coming up January 28th and 29th. Come to Austin, Texas with us to march to the Capitol, to celebrate the end of Roe v. Wade, to commemorate Roe v. Wade, and to learn from expert pro-life speakers on how to keep Texas pro-life forever. Come to Austin with us and hear from Ryan Bomberger, our keynote speaker who shares his personal story, and so much more. Book your tickets today, bootsonthegroundtx.com. See you in January. The Supreme Court just overturned Roe v. Wade. This is a historic moment. Now we have a bold, groundbreaking agenda for the next steps. First, we have to enforce our laws and make sure liberal district attorneys don't give abortionists a free pass. Second, we need to expand the life-saving alternatives to abortion program. And third, we need to save hospital patients. Do you believe in this vision? Go to texasrighttolife.com stand to donate now and save lives. Welcome back, family. I want to preface this uh, topic here with it's going to be a little dark. Um, you may, if the younger ears are listening, you may want to watch this later. You'll listen to it later. Um, Timestamps will be in the description if you want to go ahead and skip to later content. Um, so we wanted to discuss this. We talked about this um, late last week as we're planning. Um, so it seems that there was a 10-year-old rape victim and it feels like there's a whole bunch of doctors involved in kind of covering up 
the rapist's actions here in making a case for, well, she just needs an abortion. And it's all the focus is on that she's 10, she's pregnant, she needs an abortion. Um, nothing being focused on the literal cover-up of she was raped. Yeah, they failed and, to report it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, subsequent reports came out saying that the abortionist had actually lied, had put that in their little internal report that the um, perpetrator was a minor. Okay. And he wasn't. He was 27 years old. Um, and then used the yeah. story not as a way to get help for her, um, but as a way to make, to grandstand on this political uh political climate and say, and, and use this as, a, as an example or, or as a reason why America needs abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Yeah. It feels similar to what they did the first time. Right, with with Norma McCorvey. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, I thought about the same thing. Poor Norma McCorvey, who was Jane Roe in Roe v. Wade, she was pregnant and um, sadly at the time was uh, addicted to a lot of drugs and alcohol and w signed paperwork that she didn't know what it meant. No, her lawyers did not explain it to her and they used her as a pawn in their mm -hmm. agenda to pass Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Right. And, and Norma McCorvey later learned what happened and was really upset and she was pro-life and she worked the rest of her life to try to save babies. You know, I want to make it really clear to our to our listeners too when you're having to defend against hard issues like this um it's important to remember i mean what you'll see the, 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 these situations are what the media will make you believe is prevalent right um this but is the majority of cases oh, right. yes. sure, all right? the abortion cases Correct. are 10 11 year olds and and while it's that's still not the acceptable answer uh it is important to know that for decades Abortion for reasons of rape or incest or life of the mother counted for less than 3% of abortions nationwide, routinely. Mm -hmm. um, and that the median age of the, the age demographic of women who sought and received abortions in America consistently has been 20 to 24 year olds. So, yeah. yeah, that is all true and very good to know. But the follow up retort is always going to be, well, what about this? It really happened to her, which is it's a good it's a good retort. This is a real case of a real sweet little girl who was raped and her mother probably took her to the doctor. The doctor, who was super pro-choice, used this girl as a pawn in her agenda, drove her across state lines, even though it wasn't necessary in order to make a statement, like like stick it to the man. We had to drive her across state lines to get an abortion, even though that wasn't necessary and failed to report the rapist. And then a journalist showed up to the mother's house to try to figure out the deeds of what's going on and wasn't able to get much information because the mother was afraid of getting deported. The rapist is also an illegal immigrant and it just gets messier and messier. Like they could have helped this young girl. And I'm glad at least that she is being protected from the media. She personally, like we don't even know her name. Yeah, we don't. Um, and, and maybe that's a good thing. Like I hope this girl is able to stay safe from like media pounding on her door um but the the reality is that she was she was not rushed to be helped she was rushed to create across state lines to get an abortion 
and was used as a pawn in a political agenda. And it's like, who is actually looking after her? Right. And any consideration about what the psychological effects of an abortion go on a 10-year-old? I mean, on any woman. That's a lot of trauma. You can't just ignore that that doesn't, ignore that that exists. Yeah. Right. And it took so long to to actually figure out who the guy was and to report him and get him in jail. Like, he's in jail now. But... It took a couple weeks yeah. because everybody was afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, put his ass in jail. Where is he? Nobody well, wanted to talk about it for a couple weeks. Well, now also you're saying let's talk. Let's talk about the doctors covering this up. Now I'm not a lawyer, and I kind of maybe sort of act like one on a podcast sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> um, it's really I'm going to defer to you because that is, that that me? is your profession. Um, if you fail to report the crime. Doesn't that make you an accessory? Uh, lawyers I mean, always say depends. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good answer. Favorite Just, answer. Yeah. Mostly. But, I, I have no idea what the state law is and what was that, Kansas or Ohio. Oh, yeah, okay. with the, with the exact no I'm sure there's of... some federal law that overarches that requires you to be a mandatory reporter. Um, but again, like we've seen with the abortion industry, Rules don't apply to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most states require that physicians report a crime, but also there's just the the their own medical school training and residency training that it's instilled in them that they are supposed to to report a, a, a crime and a minor rape and all of that. Yeah. Whether it's a state law or not, it should definitely be like part of their normal operating procedures, like within the hospital or within the clinic that they work in. And the fact that the doctor failed to report the crime is awful. And it's like, should she be stripped of her license? Like, what's going on? You know? I I feel like there should be some harsher penalties somewhere in there. Like, if you took this child who's been through hell and used them as a political pawn, there is a special place in hell for you. Like, seriously. Yeah. Well, and some pro-lifers would definitely say, well, but should... What should we have done then with this girl? Like, is this the, is this the one exception where maybe it would have been better for her to have an abortion? And I would say, first of all, abortion is never the answer. Right. It's good that you're concerned. You know, this girl is so young. And yeah, it's possible the pregnancy could have taken a toll on her body. But the good news is that if her, she had already reached puberty and was menstruating, that her body probably was going to be okay. And that it absolutely should never have happened but the reality is that like she probably could have delivered to term carried to term and delivered and been perfectly fine and um and then and then what like we'll probably uh place the child for adoption because clearly a 10 year old cannot raise a baby but biologically she probably would have been just fine especially if she had received good health care which she clearly wasn't yeah and provide (sighs) counseling for her to deal with all of the everything ongoing counseling and trauma yep. and healing um, from everything that she had went through yeah yeah i mean whenever you look at studies for uh, abortion in cases of rape they actually show that women who choose life after being a victim of sexual assault they have better healing outcomes in the long term than women who aborted And that's a really important piece that we have to acknowledge because our heart breaks for that woman who survived a very terrible uh, crime of sexual assault. And even this young girl who I can't imagine the torture 
that she has gone through, abortion doesn't take that away. Abortion right. doesn't take that away for anyone. And if we, I think the pro-abortion side likes to think, well, like if she has an abortion, then the, the trauma is gone. She can forget. You don't forget that. The trauma is not gone. You just stack trauma on top of trauma. Exactly. Yeah. And so whenever we look at what are what's going to be the long-term best outcome, and yes, this case is so hard to talk about because, you know, everybody has sympathy for this young girl. It's just heartbreaking and terrible. And the people who are involved, that man and the doctor, they need to uh, face the harshest penalties that they can for what they've done to this girl. The doctor for covering it up and the rapist who, you know, assaulted this girl, they need to face the harshest penalties under the law. And then we have to we have to also look at what how can we actually help this girl? It doesn't help to say like, oh, we'll just have an abortion and the problem is gone. It's not. Yeah. She's going to need really good health care, really good therapy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's this. It's a dark topic. It's one of the hard cases, um, but it's one we have to talk about. This is this is the other side's favorite argument. Um, I had one of these kind of conversations actually over the weekend at another event. And it was like, you know, what if this this was this the case of like his political view and why he felt like this was a right um, was, you know, in the case of rape. And I'm just like, bro, yeah. bro. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird when so family social gatherings turn yeah. into. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, well, I have a quick resource to mention. I think I might have mentioned it on one of the previous episodes of the podcast too, but there's a really awesome website called savetheone.com and it's mm-hmm. it's a compilation, like a database website of of stories of women who have chosen life after assault and um, stories of people who were conceived in rape. So depending on which of those stories you're looking for, there's like a filter you can search. And all of these people are are very passionately pro-life. And, and the entire website is about basically don't use us as your scapegoat yep. to, le- to legalize abortion. Basically, how dare you say that we should not exist or that our children should not exist because of rape. And a lot of them are professional pro-life speakers. And so you can book them to speak. Um, and because of this work, I've heard like dozens of them speak. Awesome. So most, most average people in the United States probably have not actually heard a lecture from a person who chose life mm-hmm. after rape. I've heard dozens of them. So I've gotten to meet these people and shake their hands. And like Ryan Baumberger um, is one of those speakers. He was conceived in rape and he he's also on this website and he's a professional speaker. He's going to be out boots on the ground and talk about how, uh, yeah, rape should never be the scapegoat for legalizing abortion and that uh, even though his mother um, lived through hell, like she chose life for him and that was part of her healing and he's here because of it. Like yeah. that's amazing. So. I've heard several of these kind of amazing stories through Boots on the Ground, yeah. um, having worked with that and worked at those events. Cause it was when we originally started, it was a college age thing. Um, so I wouldn't have gone other than working the events. And then when I started working, I was like, these are really awesome stories and awesome speakers. Um, so. Yeah. They'll yeah. make you cry. Cause it's, it <laughs> it's this idea of like a trauma, a very powerful and te- 
terrible story in the beginning and then seeing how God used that and how God worked through that and how the children who were conceived in rape have valuable lives and they love their lives and how the women have, uh, even though they suffered this great and terrible uh, sexual assault, that they found healing from that and they found strength after that. And uh, a lot of times that having the child and you know being pregnant and saying, this is my child, not the rapist child, this is my child, how that brought them healing. Yeah. Yep. Okay, guys. So if if you were waiting for the timestamp, here it is. You can come back or whatever. Um, so I do want to end with a little bit happier note because um, that was dark, you guys. Um, okay. Recently, you have finished a little article, Emily. Little uh, amicus brief, as they call well, them in the, well, in the uh, business. It's called an amicus letter because it's a lot letter. shorter. Okay, a brief is a very, it's very long, which we've done those. Too. That That's sounds ironic. backwards. An amicus letter is short, <laughs> oh. but an amicus brief is long. <laughs> I have never even you thought about ever. that, but you are exactly right. That is funny oh, now. Okay. I should tell my lawyer friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so right now in Texas, there is a dispute between the abortion industry is trying to say that um, the pre-Roe statute. So this are the statutes in Texas that criminalized abortion um, were are still on the books, and mm-hmm. uh, that is what is currently being enforced in Texas while right. we await the trigger ban to go into effect, which is goes into effect thirty days after. Um, Ju- judgment was August twenty fifth. There yes. you go. August twenty fifth. We have a, yeah. we have a in, date now. In English, it's in August twenty fifth. <laughs> okay. Um, and so the the argument is that because the trigger ban was passed by the legislature, they by implication repealed the pre row statutes. Okay. That's now, what the abortion industry is trying to say. Is like, right. oh, we've had this law that was before Roe v. Wade, this abortion ban before Roe v. Wade. But since we passed other pro-life bills since then, that implies that you impl- that you uh, repealed that other one. Wow. And it's just yeah. kind of wonky yeah. so is it legal sort of doctrine. Like saying, well, speeding is a thing and it has these penalties, but because uh-huh. you passed another law that makes the penalties steeper on speeding, like for this window of time, that speeding's okay? Kind of. Love that. Kind so, of. So, okay. I'll use that next time I get stopped. <laughs> so everyone remembers in the, heartbeat, logic. in the heartbeat law, we've got the aiding and abetting, where if you help procure an illegal abortion, then you can be liable for a civil penalty as well. Okay, yes. okay well, in the pre-row statutes, it kind of had, we call it the accomplice liability because it had criminal liability for an accomplice. That accomplice um, okay. liability is not in... Um, the trigger ban. Okay, so our okay. argument is, and that's the part that we're trying to help save. Um, the, you know, just because the legislature, the legislature didn't address it in the trigger ban because it was already ready adequate, adequately addressed over here in the pre-row statutes. They okay. just chose to instead of changing it to here. The, here the law says A, B, C. We're going to add D and E over here, and that does not negate A, B, and C over here. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm so gonna... we, we filed that um, at the Texas Supreme Court on Friday. So theoretically, there's no window of time where I can drive as fast as I want. Nope. Not yet. Sadly. <sighs> That's so cool. Have you it ever depends. filed a brief? <laughs> or a oh, my gosh. Have you ever filed anything with the Supreme Court before? Yes. Oh. So many times. <laughs> it's exciting. So fancy. It's crazy. So professional. 
But I mean, it's been a little over a month since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And do y'all want to guess how many lives have been saved per day since then? Pray tell. 167 per day for the last 30 plus days, which means we're well over 5,000 lives saved uh, since Roe was overturned. And that's with the combination of the Heartbeat Act and with the pre-Roe statutes taking effect immediately when Roe was overturned. And so um, there was a little bit of time where the abortionists thought like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. So they kept uh, doing abortions for a few days. And then Attorney General Ken Paxton kind of cracked down a little bit and uh, Supreme Court of Texas stepped in. So since then, um, we have been, you know, monitoring and seeing if the abortion clinics are following the law. And right now, it looks like every abortion clinic in Texas is following the law and not committing abortions. A lot of them are closing up shop and, you know, some of them are moving out of state. So we're going to have to make sure we spread uh, the pro-life message other places too, but 167 babies a day. That's awesome. That's stinking amazing. Yep. Well, there there is a happy note to end the day on. <laughs> yes. 167 <laughs> kids a day. Yes. Anyways, Pro-Life family, thank you for watching and sharing and sharing this with your family, talking to your friends and neighbors about this. Um, that's how we're going to change the culture and save lives. Until then, we will see you guys next week. We love you. Happy Tuesday.